Well, good evening, or late afternoon. Good late afternoon. It's great to be here with you this evening and this, this afternoon. And I'd like to thank um, Pastor Clint and also any of the other church leaders who had a part in our having this invitation and opportunity with you today. In years past, I've enjoyed um, fellowship and service opportunities with a number of, your, uh, of the men from here in your church. Um, I won't try and name several of them, but um, I have enjoyed knowing them through the years, and we have heard of your congregation for over 20 years, and it's just a privilege to be here and to um, see the Stanton Free Church that we have heard so much about through the years. I was privileged to serve as a pastor for 36 years, um, most recently 25 years at the Aurora Evangelical Free Church. And this past winter, melting into spring due to a number of circumstances, I sensed the Lord's leading to step down from that pastoral ministry, and subsequently to resigning from the church, not right away, but in the weeks, the, in um, several weeks that followed that resignation, um, came to the conclusion that um, as my wife and I prayed about this and sought God's leading for our remaining few years of active ministry, um, I'm not calling this retirement, by the way, but redirection, because still working full-time hours in ministry, but um, we sense that it would be in keeping with God's will if I were to um, devote the coming years to um, writing opportunities and related speaking that um, the Lord provides for us. Historic Christian biography has been a long-term interest of mine. Um, I would say it actually has been a ministry avocation of mine throughout my years of um, pastoring. During those years, I've had the opportunity to read literally hundreds of historic Christian biographies. Um, I've had the privilege of writing several books in that field and also for nine years have maintained a writing website that has, as its stated purpose, connecting contemporary Christians with their beneficial heritage of historic Christian biography. I just find so much inspiration and instruction, sometimes some conviction, through the examples of great men and women of the Christian faith that it's my desire to, um, if the Lord would use it, to share um, that benefit that I received through that focus and seek to encourage others to become um, acquainted with historic Christian biography if they are not already or to continue deriving the benefit from that. So today I'd like to share a presentation on Hudson Taylor, who lived, show of hands here, how many of you know who Hudson Taylor was? Okay, about half the group, great. He lived from 1832 to 1905, and in the whole history of the Christian church, he was easily one of the most influential um, Christian missionaries. In fact, if I were to um, list the most influential um, missionaries, I would list Hudson Taylor in my probably top three. Every missionary, of course, is vitally important, but some are used in greater measure than others. And what I'm saying is this man was right up at the top of the list as having um, the, the broadest influence on promoting the kingdom of Christ. He founded the China Inland Mission, which tonight I'll, I'll often refer to just as the CIM, and um, that mission took the gospel to formerly unevangelized inland provinces of China. 
Hudson Taylor had many outstanding qualities, but today I'd like us to focus, zero in on, especially his inspiring faith and what his example of faith has to teach us about living for and serving Christ with similar great faith. So if I can begin um, by focusing on Hudson Taylor's formative faith developing some incidents that took place early in his Christian life that helped to shape his faith. Hudson Taylor was born and raised in Barnsley, England, which was a rough mining community up in the north central part of the country. His parents and grandparents on both sides of the family were zealous evangelistic Methodists. In fact, his father, who served as an apothecary, today we would call him a pharmacist, his father, from the time he was in his late teens, had been a lay evangelist with the Methodists. The Taylors were one of those families that every time the church doors were open, they were there as a family. They also held family devotions two times a day, after breakfast and after their um, late afternoon tea time, at which times they would um, study from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, pray together. Despite this pious upbringing that Hudson Taylor had, despite the best efforts of his parents to lead him to the Savior and to teach him the way of the Lord, he actually, when he was like 15, 16 years old, he had a crisis of faith, of, of his Christian faith. And for about a year, he turned away from the Christian beliefs that he had been taught. But then God graciously drew Hudson to the Savior, Jesus Christ, at age 17. And when that happened, after that happened, he was so full of gratitude and love for God in working in his life and saving him that he said, God, I will serve you any way that you desire me to. I'll go anywhere you, you want me to. Any hardship that is to be faced, I will face it in serving Christ. And he never went back on his life dedication the remainder of his life. He ended up serving Christ in China for 50 years. In the two years following his Christian conversion, Hudson Taylor um, felt led of the Lord, believed the Lord was leading him to go to China. And through some reading that he did, he concluded that it would be prudent to gain some medical training before he went to China. That way he would have that in, in ministering to people's physical needs that would open doors to his ministering to their spiritual needs as well. So in the spring of 1851, at age 19, he became the assistant to one of the leading physicians in Hull, England, which was located, south east, Clint? Okay, located east of um, Barnsley, over on the coast of England, and he received he attended medical school there. On one occasion, Hudson Taylor found himself down to his last silver coin. This is important um, with regard to this story, true story that I'm beginning to relate here. The coin was a half crown piece. It was worth two shillings and six pence, totaling 30 English pennies. And back in 1851, that was equal to about $1.50 American currency. So 
um, $1.50 back then, probably worth $15 or $20 um, in our own day. So he's down to this last silver coin worth two shillings and a sixpence. That Sunday, he attended church, as he always did in the morning, and then in the afternoon and evening, he went out, as he always did, as a 19-year-old young man, and he held evangelistic services in the rougher areas of Hull. And after the last meeting that night, a man approached him, and he asked him if he would come and pray for his wife, who they feared was dying. Well, Hudson Taylor had picked up on an Irish accent, so he assumed that um, this man was likely Roman Catholic, and he asked him why he had not called for the priest to come and pray and give last rites to this woman. And um, the man said, well, we do not have food, we do not have money even for food, so we can't afford to pay him to come and to pray for us. And when the man mentioned that they had no food, Hudson Taylor thought back to his own apartment where he had two bowls of porridge left, one for supper when he got home that night, one for breakfast the next morning, and then he needed some of that money that he had and his one silver coin to buy um, food for beginning later the next day. Well, at a run-down tenement house that may have looked something like this, they entered a wretched dwelling and five obviously malnourished children stood around the room. And over in one corner of the room was uh, on, a, on a pallet lay an exhausted mother and her newborn baby that moaned rather than cried. Taylor immediately felt an inner prompting that he needed to help this family with the money that he had. But he resisted that prompting. And instead, he began to tell them about God as a loving father who knew about and cared for their needs. But as he did, his own conscience smote him and said, You hypocrite, telling these unconverted people about a kind and loving heavenly father and not prepared yourself to trust him without half a crown. And Hudson Taylor thought, If only I had two shillings and a sixpence, I would happily give them the two shillings and keep just the sixpence for myself. Well, he knelt down and he tried to pray the Lord's Prayer for this family. But there was such a conflict raging within his own heart that he could barely make it through the prayer. And when he stood back up, the poor husband and father said to him, You see what a terrible state we are in, sir, if you can help us. For God's sake, do. And immediately Hudson Taylor thought of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 42. Give to him who asketh thee. So at that point, he finally surrendered to God's spirit, prompting him to help this family. And he gave the husband his coin. And as he did, he said, in parting with this coin... I am giving you my all, yet what I have been trying to tell you is indeed true. God really is a father who can be trusted. And back at his lodging place that night, he ate that next to the last bowl of porridge, and then he prayed, and he reminded God, as though God needed the reminding, <laughs> Of what Proverbs 19.17 says, that he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And Hudson said, Father, may my loan, would you not allow my loan, my loan to be a long one? 
Otherwise, I will have no dinner tomorrow night. (laughs) But then he went to bed and he slept peacefully, believing that God was going to care for him. The next morning, he hears the postman's knock at the door as he's having his breakfast bowl of porridge. And a few moments later, his landlady came in and a small package had come for him. And he opened it up and inside the package were a pair of kid gloves wrapped in a sheet of paper with nothing, nothing written on the paper. And as he was pulling those out of the envelope, a gold coin fell on the floor. It was a half sovereign worth four times the amount that he had given away the night before. And he exclaimed, praise the Lord, 400% for 12 hours investment. That is good interest. How glad the merchants of Hull would be if they could lend money at such a rate. Well, he continued his medical training in Hull and in London um, for two more years. And throughout that time, God continued to lead him through circumstances that helped to build the faith, the strong faith that he was going to need to serve the Lord in China I think that God characteristically works this same way in the lives of virtually all Christians. It seems that often, early on in our Christian life, God leads us through various various challenging circumstances. Sometimes it's a financial need like Hudson Taylor faced. At other times it's a serious illness of our own or of a loved one. Sometimes it's a job crisis or a test of obedience or some challenging ministry that God seems to be um, nudging us toward. God, early on in our Christian faith, leads us through these faith-building challenges to grow our young faith. And big as those initial tests of faith are, I think they're usually intended um, of God to prepare and strengthen us for even greater challenges that we're going to face in our future Christian life. So now let's move on to a next phase in Hudson Taylor's life and think about a crisis of faith that he faced when he was called to his primary career ministry. Hudson sailed to China in the fall of 1853 at age 21, and in his first seven years as a missionary, he had many more faith-growing experiences that he continued to face. For starters, just getting to China, the ship that he was on twice, was nearly shipwrecked. And then as soon as he arrived there, um, he discovered that there was a rebellion. Um, uh, There was a war being fought between rebel troops that had captured Shanghai and the Imperial Army, which at that time was outside the city of Shanghai, Shanghai was the port where um, foreigners came into China, and there was a foreign settlement there in part of Shanghai, and there were a few different occasions where Hudson Taylor came perilously close to having his life ended either by bullets or by cannonballs that were being lobbed into the city and sometimes were striking in the foreign settlement where he and the other missionaries lived at that time. Several times as he was out seeking to evangelize in um, towns or cities in, 
in um, a province or two there in China. He was um, accosted by bandits or even by um, mobs. He and other foreigners were called foreign devils. The Chinese didn't like them. And so they often found themselves accosted. There were other trials that he faced as well. In um, 1858, five years after his arrival in China, he married Maria Dyer, who was the daughter of deceased missionaries there in China. And she, when Hudson Taylor met her, she was a young woman, 19 years old when they first met, and um, 21, she was 21 when they married, and she was the teacher at a girl's school there in China. Maria's sister, Barella, who was two years older than she was, died of cholera um, the August, about seven months after Hudson and Maria were married. She died of cholera at age 23. That October, Maria gave birth prematurely to a premature infant um, who did not survive. God also used some positive circumstances to build Hudson Taylor's faith in those early missionary years. He saw some remarkable instances of Chinese individuals coming to faith in Christ. And again, there was a whole string of occasions where he saw the Lord provide for their material needs in very timely fashion. So his faith just continued to grow those first seven years of service. In the summer of 1860, Hudson, then age 28, and Maria needed to return to England because in his first seven years of missionary endeavor, Hudson's health and strength had simply become exhausted. So they needed to return to England so he could um, recover his health. A London physician examined him after his return to England and bluntly told him, you must never think of returning to China unless you want to throw your life away. Well, they as a, a young missionary couple had no intention of giving up on their call to missionary service. Hudson promptly set to work on producing a pair of much-needed works in the Ningpo dialect. Um, those two works were a revised New Testament translation that would help, help the translation to be more accurate and more readable in the Chinese language. And also they produced a hymnal, a, a hymn book during those years to be used in China. Hudson commonly devoted 10 to 12 hours each day except for Sunday working on those projects. And he did that for the next four five years, so he was very diligent in this work. Well, as he worked on that project, God um, laid an expanded vision on his heart. In his study there in England where he was doing his translation work, there was a large map of China up on the wall. And as he contemplated the map, he came to be increasingly burdened for the whole of China, not just the part where he had served. And he later explained, while on the field, the pressure of claims immediately around me was so great that I could not think much of the still um, greater need farther inland and could do nothing to meet it, but detained for some years in England, daily viewing the whole country on the large map in my study, I was as near the vast regions of the interior as the smaller districts in which I had personally labored. Now, during the decades leading up to that time, 
um, mission agencies had made some good progress in the seven coastal provinces of China where 200 million people lived. But there were 11 inland provinces of China that had another 200 million people living in them which did not have a single missionary, not a single gospel witness. Hudson Taylor interviewed and corresponded with all the main English missionary societies about the need of the unevangelized provinces of inland China. And he was repeatedly told that the um, available funds were short for the existing missionary commitments that these societies had already taken on, much less could they, take, could they even think about taking on new commitments. So through the early months of 1865, Hudson, age 32, and this kind of blurry picture that you're looking at, looking at would be um, him right at this point in his life. He sensed the Lord's prompting to establish a mission to reach the inland regions of China. But he knew, of course, that that would involve marked challenges and trials and responsibilities. And so he hesitated. And for weeks, he wrestled with God about this decision. Night and day, he hardly slept more than an hour at a time. And the, the stress of this that he was facing felt to him, he, he began to fear like he might, that he might lose his reason. At the same time, um, he could not escape the persistent thought that one million people each month were passing into eternity without any knowledge of God. Late in June, by the way, part of what he was wrestling with was, he said to himself, well, um, suppose we start this mission and suppose that God provide the workers and they go to the field and they're faced with the kinds of needs that Marie and I have been faced with. Will they not blame me for leading them into that kind of a situation? And would I be strong enough to continue to lead un others under those difficult circumstances? Late in June, he spent the weekend at a seaside home of a friend named George Pierce in Brighton, England. And that Sunday, Hudson attended a large Presbyterian church where he heard a stirring message. But he could not bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand Christians rejoicing in their own spiritual security when he knew that millions of people were passing into a Christless eternity in China due to lack of knowledge of God. So after the church service, he wandered along the seashore. He was in a tremendous spiritual agony. And finally, he prayed, Divine Master, I surrender myself to you for this service. All the responsibility as to outcomes and consequences must rest with you. As your servant, it is mine to obey and to follow you. It is yours to, to direct, to care for, and to guide me and those who will labor with me. I ask you for 24 fellow workers two for each of the 11 inland provinces, which are without a missionary, and two for Mongolia. And opening his Bible, he wrote in the margin of it, prayed for 24 willing, skillful laborers. Brighton, England, June 25th, 
1865. Two days later, accompanied by his host, George Pierce, he went to the London and County Bank, and there he opened an account under the name of the China Inland Mission with an initial deposit of 10 British pounds, which were the equivalent of 50 American dollars. Well, there was an immediate and immense response and interest in this new mission and its objectives. Speaking invitations came pouring in from churches of several different denominations. Requests for promotional literature flooded in. He was invited to speak at two large mission conferences attended by thousands of people. And within six months, nearly 30 adults had applied to go as missionaries to, inland, to the inland provinces of China, and 16 of those were approved. Well, the, as you might well imagine, the cost of outfitting and transporting such a sizable missionary party to China was enormous. It was more than 2,000 pounds equaling more than 10,000 American dollars. Let's remember, we're talking 1865, so probably 100,000, 150,000 dollars in our contemporary currency. But at their home, each noon hour, the tailors held a prayer meeting, and every day they prayed and asked the Lord to provide the need for this missionary party. And the funds were fully supplied in timely fashion. When the CIM party sailed from England in May of 1866, that was just 11 months after the China Inland Mission had been founded, they formed the largest delegation of missionaries sent out to China by any mission society to date. I know, you know, that sometimes it takes tremendous faith to embrace the ministries and other responsibilities of life that God calls us to fulfill. Um, church ministries, parachurch ministries, our own home and family responsibilities, vocational responsibilities that, that we fully believe that God has led us into. In numerous ways, it takes great faith to embrace and carry out those responsibilities. We sometimes feel inadequate, overwhelmed, even unwilling, like, no thanks, Lord, I'm really not wanting to do that. In, in this phase or the next phase of my life. But like Hudson Taylor, we do well to submissively follow God's leading and trust him to enable us and provide for us to carry out the challenging responsibilities that he is calling us to. And then thirdly and finally, um, let's think for a few minutes about Hudson Taylor's steadfast faith and remarkable fruitfulness. The remainder or throughout his um, missionary career in leading the China Inland Mission. The first decade after the China Inland Mission was established, CIM's um, stations were started up in just two of the 11 inland provinces. And those gains were made despite some marked personal trials and sometimes fierce opposition that was faced by missionaries and Chinese Christians alike. The house where um, the Taylors and some of the other CIM missionaries resided was attacked and ransacked in a riot, and a few of the missionaries were injured on that occasion. 
in the first 10 years of the China Inland Mission's existence and ministry in China, three of Hudson Taylor's eight children and his wife Maria died of various illnesses during those years. Maria at age 33. Hudson had a nasty fall from a ladder which resulted in um, compressed vertebrae that gradually led to um, paralysis of his legs, leaving him bedridden for two months, housebound for an additional three months before gradual full recovery was granted to him by the Lord. Hudson and Maria were married for 12 and a half years. They had eight children, four of whom lived to adulthood. Sixteen, ooh, let's see. Sixteen months after um, Maria's death, Hudson remarried. He married Jenny Falding, who was a China Inland Mission missionary. Hudson and Jenny had two children of their own and were happily married for 32 years. In 1876, a very important event took place in China, uh, which was the signing of the, what was called the Chifu Convention. It was a treaty that guaranteed that for the first time, foreigners could travel anywhere in China, and they were supposed to be able to do so safely, so long as they held a passport. And within four months of the signing of that treaty, CIM missionaries entered six new provinces. And they traveled to parts of China that had never before been reached by foreigners. And there, in those far-flung areas of China, they met with both friendliness and continued opposition. The following year, 1877, was an exceedingly strenuous period for Hudson Taylor, who by that time was 44 years of age. The China Inland Mission Foreign Secretary, who handled all correspondence relating to the work of, of um, the missionaries serving there in China, he went home on furlough, and there was no one to take his place, so his heavy administrative responsibilities fell to Hudson Taylor, in addition to, to the other ministries that Hudson had been carrying out. <clears throat> At the end of his long days of labor, which sometimes stretched till the early morning hours, Hudson would relax a little while by sitting down at a harmonium, like a think small organ here, and um, he would sing some of his favorite hymns. And invariably, he got around to singing the hymn, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Well, one occasion, a whole stack of letters arrived that contained news of dangers and other problems that missionaries in those um, distant areas of China were facing. And Hudson Taylor, as he's reading these letters, he leans back against his desk and he begins to whistle, Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art. And a fellow missionary named George Nicole said to him, How can you whistle when our friends are in such danger? To which Hudson Taylor said, Well, suppose I were to sit down here and burden my heart with all these things. That wouldn't help them and it would unfit me for the work I have to do. I have just to roll the burden on the Lord. 
And that reminds me of the teaching of 1 Peter 5, 7, which encourages us to cast all our cares on the Lord, roll our burdens on him because he cares for us. The China in the mission um, force in its first 16 years grew from 18 missionaries to 100 missionaries. Um, in the following three years, they asked God to provide them with 70 more missionaries in just three years' time. And sure enough, in those three years, God provided 77 new missionaries. And then, in late in 1886, um, when Hudson Taylor was 54 years old, he and other missionaries started praying, rather audaciously it seems to me, that God would send 100 new missionaries in just one year's time by the end of the following year. And everyone affiliated with the CIM was encouraged to pray for the hundred. Taylor and his missionary colleagues began to sing this prayer at every meal. I don't know the tune, wish I did, but here were the lyrics. Oh, send the hundred workers, Lord, those of thy heart and mind and choice, to tell thy love both far and wide, so we shall praise thee and rejoice. And above the rest this note shall swell, my Jesus hath done all things well. Well, a veteran missionary in Shanghai, which again was the port where all the missionaries came into China, this veteran missionary there um, said to Taylor, I'm delighted to hear that you're praying for large reinforcements. You will not get a hundred, of course, within the year, but you will get many more than if you did not ask for them. To which Hudson Taylor said back to his um, colleague, well, thank you for your interest. We have the joy of knowing our prayers are already answered. And I feel sure that if spared, you shall share that joy by welcoming the last of the hundred to China. <laughs> you understand what he was saying? If the Lord spares your life one more year, then you will have the joy of helping to welcome the last of the missionaries. Taylor put legs to his prayers by returning to Britain, where he carried out an exhausting speaking schedule um, promoting interest, enlisting potential recruits. And in that one year's time, not 100, but 600 men and women applied to um, go out to serve in inland China. The London Council for the CIM refused to lower its missionary candidate standards. So five out of every six candidates were refused. But by the end of the year, 102 new missionaries had been accepted and sailed for China. I had hoped to tell a few more stories, but we're running out of time here. Um, there's a, a group of some of the missionaries. Um, let's see if I can. Oh, hey. Yeah, have a different control. Anyway, Hudson Taylor and Jenny are in the middle of that group. He's the guy with the long, long um, white beard there. <coughs> Hudson Taylor died at age 73 in 1905. At the time of his death, the CIM had 800 missionaries serving in China, more than 2,000 Chinese pastors and evangelists were serving at 1,000 CIM stations and outstations. In Taylor's lifetime, the equivalent of $7.5 million back then, which would be worth $75, um, $100 million perhaps today, 
that much money had been donated to, the, to support the CIM. And even more importantly, 30,000 Chinese had become Christians through the ministries of the CIM. I firmly believe that by exercising strong, steadfast faith in the Lord, we will be enabled, like Hudson Taylor, to withstand all variety of pressures and problems in life, in ministry, even when those seem overwhelming to us, and that we will be enabled to lay hold of significant positive blessings and successes in our lives and ministries. Without strong, steadfast faith in the Lord, we tend to get defeated by the pressures and problems of life. We tend to miss out on significant blessings and successes. But with faith, those blessings and successes and that enablement can be experienced. I would suggest two keys to nurturing and maintaining this kind of strong, steadfast faith in the Lord. The first is that we regularly read and study Scripture, which seems so basic, but it is basic. It's absolutely foundational and essential. It's what Hudson Taylor did every day of his life throughout his missionary career. And as we regularly read and study scripture, we are constantly reminded of the character of our God and of his promises in his word and his track record of taking care of and enabling his faithful, faith-filled servants. And then we want to take all those reminders and apply them to our current concerns and challenges and opportunities. And then a second main thing that I think is, is truly key to this kind of strong, steadfast faith is to continually pray, asking God for the faith that we need and asking him to help, asking him for the help and blessings that we are seeking by faith in our current challenges. We want to say, Lord, give me the faith that I need. And also, Lord, in response to the faith that I'm seeking to exercise here, bring the help and blessings that are being sought. And I believe that God will definitely be pleased to grant such requests when made to his glory. As Pastor Clint mentioned, um, I have had the opportunity to write um, several books that we brought some copies of those tonight, and we would invite you to um, take a peek at the book table and see if the Lord grabs your own attention with one of the, the stories of um, these great men and women of Christian faith, which after the study of Scripture and prayer, I find to be absolutely the most, the most faith-fueling um, source of spiritual input in my own life. We don't have... Um, this kind of a new venture for us just in recent months, and we ha have not yet set up electronic payment. If you like reading books electronically, go on the internet. All the books back there you'll find on the internet available in ebook um, fashion. If you like reading paper books, they're available here tonight. You could leave a check or um, cash in the little basket there, or if you're like me and you don't carry much cash, you use a, a card, um, just take the book that you're interested in, and if you could just snail mail us the payment, that would be appreciated. Let's pray. Oh, Father, may you take the example of this giant of Christian faith. May you use his example to encourage us 
and fire our own faith in seeking to serve you obediently, sacrificially when we're required to, and with great faith in a way that you can bless in tremendous ways. Lord, we want to be careful to give you all the praise for your powerful spiritual work in Hudson Taylor's life. Because we know he was but human. He had feet of clay. And yet you gave him this remarkable faith and obedience and determination that resulted in tremendous spiritual fruit in the course of his missionary career. So we give you praise for how you worked in his life. And we ask you, Lord, to graciously work in our own lives, strengthen our faith, that we may be more fit tools for use in your hand in, in seeking to serve Christ. Lord, I thank you for the Stanton Evangelical Free Church and the people that make it up. Thank you for the rich history of this congregation. Thank you for the blessings that I have heard this quarter of a century um, living here in this part of Nebraska, hearing of ways that you have blessed this church with, um, with this beautiful facility and with um, expanded ministries and that they continue to faithfully proclaim your word and support missionaries in other parts of the world. Oh God, may you continue to pour out your blessing on Pastor Clint and the other leaders here and every faithful participant. May you bless them, Lord, in, in um, not only their church ministries, but also their family and work responsibilities. Use them greatly, Lord, to your glory. Help us all to walk with strong faith in you that will bring tremendous blessings to your glory. We pray these things in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.